Hi, I'm Helen Joy Butler, and this is Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality, a weekly podcast series where we talk about sanctuary, spirituality, and everything in between. As a sanctuary creator and elemental space clearer, I help people create sanctuary in their homes and lives in practical, emotional, and spiritual ways. In this podcast, we will be talking about sanctuary, spirituality, alignment, intention, and much more, all in the hope of supporting you on your own sanctuary and spiritual journey. I invite you to take time to pause, to settle in with today's episode, and if it feels right, to spend time journaling your thoughts and learnings afterwards. Because it's when you embody these learnings that you will achieve greater alignment in all aspects of your life. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi and welcome to this episode of Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality. Today I'm having a sanctuary chat with Rebecca Gibson. Rebecca was born in Sydney, Australia to left brain baby boomers who did not like to acknowledge her gifts as a psychic medium. A number of traumas led Rebecca to become a mental health professional working in some of Australia's most violent prisons with serial killers, murderers and sex offenders in an effort to help heal people whose society have locked away to contain their dangerous behaviours. Rebecca now focuses on healing those wanting to step into their greatness through living a life serving love and their soul's purpose. As an alchemist guiding others to create gold in their life through transformation, Rebecca's skills as both a psychic medium with a career in mental health She is an an authoritative expert on drama addiction, spiritual and mental health, and her passionate area of focus, empaths and narcissists. Rebecca's lived experience working in maximum security prisons and mental health facilities, married with her health struggles and past traumas, have given her amazing insights and wisdoms that she shares through workshops, books, keynote speaking, and her divine spiritual work with her clients. You can find Rebecca at her website, Instagram and Facebook. All of those links are in the show notes. And just letting you know that there is a little bit of swearing in this interview. So if you feel headphones are appropriate, please pause and go and grab those. Rebecca's audio is very soft, so please stay with it. She's got some beautiful things to share. Let's go find out. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast today. It's absolutely beautiful to have you. Thanks for having me, Helen. This is exciting. I am just absolutely intrigued. Um, Having read your bio and just sitting with that, there just seems to be so much depth, so much interest from from me. I'm not conventional by any means. No, but that's okay. Let's start because I think that a lot of people can relate to this bit. The having the left brain parents who didn't really get or understand the psychic child. Can you share that journey with us a little bit? Yeah. So born in the seventies, went to Catholic school, Catholic family, 
and uh, mum and dad very left brainers and wanting a very academic life for me especially women growing up in that time it was really my mum's like you from the get-go I want you reading before you get to school I, I'd like for you to have your first university degree by the time you're 12 like push 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 the academia so when I turned out to be sort of airy fairy and speaking to people that weren't there and saying these predictions and talking about things it it scared them I grew up kind of cranky and angry at them for shutting down that part of me and making me think and believe that there was something wrong with me but having said that now that I have this business and I've been doing podcasts and I've been in magazines my mum actually read a magazine article that was written about me and I thought this is not going to go down well and I'm like don't read it don't read it but she read it and she actually I'm 45 she actually apologized to me and said we knew there wasn't anything wrong with you and it was very obvious that you were psychic and that you were telling the truth and we just didn't want you to have a hard life and we didn't want people to treat you differently and so we asked you to stop it so i it took a long time for her to say that but it, it came out and she did so i totally get it now and it's good because i have a six-year-old now and she's so much like me and i'm so glad that i allowed my soul to guide me in this way now rather than being trapped in a life that I really wasn't enjoying and I get to show her right from a young age you can be exactly who you are you can do whatever you want in life you can create business you can get a job you, you're not limited there are no limitations and um there's a little bit of jelly belly thinking oh I wish that was me but I wouldn't have had the journey that I had to get me to this point we all, pick, we all pick the life that we have at a soul level. So it is what it is. That's very true. And I can relate to that as well because I have a son who's now 14 and a half. And I, I kind of had a bit of that jealous thing going on too because I grew up, you know, with those abilities, but they had to be shut down for, you know, various reasons, other reasons as well. And I now see myself as when I parent him, I parent me which helps me feel yeah. good about and be okay with, you know, all of that as well. I think it's amazing that your mum said that to you after reading that article. Me too, because the journey that she and I have had together has not been the June Cleaver kind of mother relationship, very narcissistic personality disorder and big impact on me as an empath which i now know that we empaths deliberately pick narcissistic parents as a way of exercising our abilities right from the beginning but on an energetic level empaths are here to recalibrate the emotional frequency of people who are disconnected from self-love which is the majority of people that have narcissistic traits and once empaths realize this and get out of their victim archetype and stop feeling oh poor me i'm so sensitive and everybody i'm constantly attracting these big bad wolves in my life and i just need to hide myself away once we get over that and we understand that we're the uh, emotional warriors that we are and that we're here very much now on mass to create great healing um, things will just start to shift for everybody so that's part of my journey is to empower empaths into their evolution to stop disempowering yourself and understand that you're here 
for a very valuable reason to start shifting people from fear into love, including people who have very difficult personalities and some malignant psychopaths, which is a big chunk of my career doing that. Mm, mm. I know for me, and this was, a, I think I'm going to go back about three or four years now. My, I started looking at this concept of highly sensitive people quite a lot. And I knew it was my inner child kind of chucking a bit of a tanty for healing to happen from, you know, childhood. Yeah. But at the same time, I went, I really don't like that term. So I changed it from highly sensitive to highly aware person because to me it felt more empowering. It felt more like it's okay, Helen, to heal those wounds and show up, you know, as you are. Because us growing up, the term sensitive was used basically like a slur. Yes. Too sensitive. You're too emotional. You're too much the way you are. Stop being so sensitive. And so then sensitive feels like a bad word, but they're the kind of words that we need to like pull them back to what they actually mean. And sensitive means we are sensing mm. everything around us, like take it back. You can be aware of things, but not sensing it. Exactly. When you're sensitive, you're sensing it. And it's just, we grew up in a, in an age where it was frowned upon to show your emotions, have your heart on your sleeve. We were very driven into our left brain right brain creatives were flakes and we were drummed into us you will never make money like starving artists or poor musician and you're not doing that so I really wanted to be a singer when I was younger and I begged my parents to send me to Johnny Young Talent School begged them I was the lead in every musical of every school concert and it was always such a bugbear with my mum especially she's like you need to get out of that, even to the point where once I got into high school, they forbid me to do music and art. I had to, like, chemistry and physics and all of this bleh stuff that I didn't like because everything was you have to make money, you have to have an education, you have to be left brain, left brain, left brain, left brain. And that's not healthy being completely left brain. Now we know, like, you have to balance both and you need your right brain to fully access your intuition. And so, and people, I mean, the way the world's changing now, people are creating all the time and making money. If they weren't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're there, mum and dad. <laughs> so, they're the 70s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So how did you then shift? Like, and perhaps that's not even the right way. What was your journey to oh, going? Drama, 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 okay. drama. Biggest drama addict ever. <laughs> Only because I don't like, it's not that like I don't like to li- listen to my intuition. I've been so conditioned to focus left brain masculine energy first and that there was something wrong with my psychic abilities in terms of my mental health that I actually went into a career in psychiatry which kept reaffirming constantly my abilities were madness and don't tell anyone Rebecca hide that shut that down and the more I would shut it down when it needed to come into play and I was ignoring it drama would happen because I've contracted a lot of trauma this lifetime and um I've had big weird things happen to push me one into this business 
and then two pushed me into finally leaving my career and going into it full time. It ha- pain and trauma is how I get to this point. Mm. I don't recommend it for people. <laughs> I don't. But that seems to be the only way that I've learned up until now. That's what I think most of us are like that, don't you think? Like if I look at anyone who, you know, perhaps identifies as empath psychic, intuitive, whatever, you know, the word is that resonates for them, that those people have not had a good journey. There's always been something happened, whether it's in childhood, young adulthood, there's something there and maybe more than one. Like if I look at my own life, there's more than one. Trauma is our greatest lesson. Yeah. It it really is. And I think for... I mean, if you hear about the three ways of volunteers and the new earth and the, the majority of us now on online business t- having these conversations are the second wave, we have picked a lot of trauma this lifetime around to learn the hard lessons really quickly because the amount of shadow work that needs to be done with people and the amount of the alchemizing these aspects of self that keep us in eager and keep us less than our full you know, fully powered, charged up, full soulful self and and not leading a life with ego. The, the more I get trapped in my ego and allowing ego and fear to rule my decisions, that's when the universe will slap me mm. back onto path. So the only reason why I started working full time in my business and actually progressed it to the point where it replaced my career income I had to break my foot and be sat on my ass for six months with a, a few surgeries to learn that lesson. I was like, oh, right, well, I can't go to work. So I guess I'm going to have to try a bit harder in business and find what works well for me. So, yeah, yeah. And thanks for that broken ankle. That was really kind. <laughs> I literally, I literally said, not even five minutes before it spontaneously broke my foot too I, I nothing happened it just broke um i literally screamed at my husband having a tanty i need a break and that's what happened so the subconscious is very powerful yeah it goes to show you have to be super careful with what you verbalize i'm glad it happened i'm not glad that i have now had a big chunk of metal in my foot but i'm glad that it happened because it did force me on my butt, I was doing too much. I was like, I was working permanent night shifts, one on, one off, and trying to run a business during the day and parent. And I was sleeping three days a week, and I was ignoring all the telltale signs that I was becoming unwell. And I'd been burnt out before, and here I was in this ridiculous pattern again from a place of fear and needing that secure income, and still wanting to attach my identity to my career and my academic education and still feeling judged from that world about being a psychic medium because psychiatry and psychic medium they don't mix they should mix and i'm hoping to be part of that conversation that evolves consciousness into spiritual health becoming a vital part of the mental health system but oh no i need drama yeah yeah (laughs) so i'm just a drama addict but that brings me to what I was going to ask was about the prison system because yeah. not many of us have had access or, and I don't mean that from a, you know, we want access, but just it's, it's like a world hidden from a lot of people um, because we don't. My bubble well and truly got burst. Yeah. So how does yeah. a, a psychic empathic woman work in that space? 
bumpily. Very, very, very <laughs> bumpily. So I, my, my spiritual team, I've been lucky enough to have still been switched on right from the get-go, even when it was, you know, tried to be pushed out of me or somehow educated out of me or feared out of me. It didn't stop. And I think for me, and I know people find this really weird, so I went through childhood sexual abuse, which would create what psychiatry calls a dissociation, but all it would do would be taking me out of my physical state and still being connected to consciousness. And so I would have conversations with my guides. So this is where psychiatry is so interesting. That's dissociation or forms personality disorder. And for me, it was very spiritual. My guides would keep me very grounded. You contracted this. This is happening for a reason. You will find out later. You just need to keep tuning in and, you know, keep up this kind of... It was almost like a, uh, this strong archetype in me right from the very beginning of being a justice warrior. And so I, I had spent my entire childhood obsessed with law. I, anything to do with law, I would watch. Um, I really felt that I was going to go on to be a lawyer and then be a Supreme Court judge. I wrote to Bob Hawke when I was nine and told him I was going to be the first female Prime Minister of Australia and to keep my seat warm. And he wrote me back with a signed photograph with a little headshot. And I thought that that was going to be my life. And so I geared my entire school education to start that. Started my law degree, was married very young to a drummer in a band. Oh God, if my daughter said to me, I'm marrying a drummer in a band when, when I'm 18, I'm like, you're never coming out of your room again. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm, I was married very young and uh, when we were 19, a very strange, it was like a whole, that's a whole other podcast, this particular story. Mm. He didn't listen to my intuition and stuffed around a, a barbecue and I told him, put fire lighters on the barbecue and he's like insistent on petrol my guides had woken me up that morning and made me hide all of his boxer shorts we were having a pool party they said hide all the boxer shorts and only leave these thick corduroy things out that he didn't like so that was an argument in the morning just over the shorts I'm like I don't know where they are lying my backside off the pool that for the pool party we were having was supposed to have been drained by the real estate two days beforehand because we hadn't had the pump on for something like two months because there was a leak in it. So the pool was this disgusting green, thick, it was feral. And it didn't get done when we went ahead for this pool party. Anyway, he goes off with his friends after we'd had another argument about the firelighters and the petrol, goes, gets petrol. I'm sitting on a chair in front of this, it was like a hot plate with the um, wood under the barbecue. And he's, I'm sitting on this chair in the barbecue and He's like pouring petrol into the top of the jerry can and throwing it on like that. And I hear him move. And I said, I'm moving before you set fire to me, kind of joking around. And I took two steps away from the chair and the chair went up. And then because there'd been dro droplets from him doing this, it just spread really quickly. We're all very young. We have no idea how fire works. So anyone watching this, do not pour water onto an oil or petrol or flammable liquid because the liquid rises to the surface and the water spreads it quicker and the fire's just out of control then. So we were getting, we didn't even have a hose, we are so poor. We're getting saucepans of water and pouring them on the fire, just making the whole situation 10 times worse. 
and um, he went to pick the jerry can up and the handle sort of melted in his hand and it was I could still slow motion. He pushed me and the can dropped and the petrol come up out of the can and just doused him and up he went. So I'm screaming at him, stop, drop and roll, just remembering those commercials from when we were younger. He dove into the pool and passed out and I managed to like rip a fence down getting to the pool and I'm holding his head above water and he's just got sheets of skin coming off his arms and legs. And um, they didn't know if he was going to survive or not. He had like 65% second and third degree burns. Like his face, his arms up to his t-shirt, his legs up to his um, corduroy shorts, which saved everything from not wearing those border um, shorts. Mm -hmm. But the doctor said, because the chemical, because uh, uh, a chemical fire, once the flames extinguish, the chemical will continue to eat through the dermis, will keep going through the skin layers. And because of the bacteria in the pool, the bacteria eats petrol and oil and stuff. So because the pool was filled with so much bacteria, it saved his skin and he didn't eat a single skin graft. And to look at him now, there was no way in a million years from the very minimal hypertrophic scarring. It was just like raised redness on certain parts you would never have like realized he was so badly burned and needed to be in a burns unit for months it's it's a miracle so that's when my guides came to me and said you are not to do law you are to go into nursing from there you'll go into psychiatry you'll be working in correctional centers and you'll be helping with sexual abuse and you'll be working with sex offenders and pedophiles that way and I, I was like I am not becoming a nurse I am not wiping bums. What is this nonsense? I had this whole career planned out, but I, I did what they told me to. And then I can remember I started working in the morgue and then I had to leave after six months because I got caught so many times talking back to the dead bodies that were talking to me. And I thought, I'm really going to damage my reputation before I've even started. So I left. I went into forensic mental health. And then I was nine months out of my degree and this brand new position became available at this correctional center. And it was for a mental health clinical nurse consultant way above my level of experience and education. You had to have had a master's degree and had to have been working for eight years in psychiatry. And I didn't want to apply for it. And when your spiritual team will nag, 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 nag until you (laughs) act upon it. So this was one of those situations. So I applied, was mortified. My ego's like, do not do this. You're going to make an absolute dickhead out of yourself. There was people that I was working like older, more experienced men were like, what are you doing? Then when I got an interview, it did not go down well. Mm-hmm. And I was working a night shift an hour away from um, the correctional center and they would nag me all night because I wasn't going to go to the interview. I just wasn't going to turn up because I was like, I'm never get this job, it doesn't meet criteria. And so they nag, 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 nag. So I, I must look like a crazy person in the car the whole thing there. <laughs> yelling at my guys that they're going to make a complete dickhead out of me. I walked into the interview. I'm 23 years old. There's five men in there interviewing me. Three of them are in, no, two of them were in full corrections uniforms, like the governor, deputy governor. There was two male 
nurse managers and then there was the psychiatrist i love him so much now he's sitting there he's got a bow tie on he's got his hands behind his head rocking on his chair his feet are up on the deck and he's got his glasses and he's looking at me like this and i was getting angry and angry i just like looking at him <laughs> looking at me and when it gets to his question he says so dear which that put me right off mm. i don't like being called dear or sweetheart or honey or doll he said, so dear, how do you feel about being a doctor's handmaiden? And I had no skin in the game. Then I thought, I'm never going to get this job. I said, well, do you want the interview answer or the real answer? And he's like, oh, give me both. And I said, the interview answer, yes, doctor, whatever files you want, doctor. What can I get for you, doctor? And he goes, what's your real answer? And like, I, I swear, I basically said, I'm not getting up and getting you an Evan cup of coffee. And when you want one, you can get me white with two things. And they all just sat there and the psychiatrist said later he laughed and they were like oh she'll handle herself just fine and that's what got me the job so i that that set off 10 years of specializing in sex offenders and really learning a lot about soul and ego and a lot about being an empath i hadn't heard the term but my the hindsight now of looking at the deterioration in my physical health from working in that environment because i wasn't spiritually looking after my spiritual energetic hygiene i um, nearly died on several occasions from clots in my lungs had multiple surgeries while i was working there lots and lots of trauma happened in my life while i was working there and i had a lot of lessons and i eventually left because i had to nurse my terminal father and my husband the next husband i've come to number three the second husband was a prison officer and uh, he wanted a divorce in the midst of me nursing my dying dad. So that was the push that I needed to leave and then move into uh, emergency adult psychiatry until then now I'm in this job. Well, my business, my life, my calling. Yeah. And hooray. Thank goodness you found this space. Yes. Because, because it's much nicer. And well, my not... clients don't call me the C word yeah. and I don't get assaulted. And I've had contracts on my head previously. No, no, none of my clients that I know of have put a contract on my head during this business. I get paid more. I laugh with people and I see far greater results without it impacting on my health and well-being. Well, it does impact on my health and well-being for the greater rather than draining me and adding so much toxicity to my life. My life was very toxic working in correctional centres because I wasn't aware of how important my spiritual energy was in that environment and no boundaries, no assertiveness. I thought I was the most assertive woman walking the planet because I'd be walking around maximum security prison, like just water off the duck's back, all the disgusting things that get screamed at you. And I wasn't, I was passive aggressive or aggressive. There was no being assertive because there was no self-love. I. It uh, finally, the amount of trauma that happened there finally eroded me and I lost my, myself. I lost myself. Yeah, yeah. And I think even anybody listening to this could understand how challenging and difficult that journey would have been. I suppose the thing that's coming to me right at this moment is a lot of people come to me and say, how do I trust my intuition? What I'm hearing is that if you didn't trust your intuition, you were kind of slapped you know, physically, oh, literally, like energetically yeah. slapped. The universe 
give me a, a slap. A big slap, yeah. And so do people come to you saying, because I hear it all the time, how do I trust my intuition? And if you get that a oh, lot. all the time. Well, what's your answer? What's all your response to people when they say, I don't know I how like to, to give like, I like to give practical tools and exercises to my clients. So I, um, I'll get them to do intuitive exercises like using telepathy or feeling into which sense. And so when, and just blurt, I'm always just blurt, whatever comes out. But I do a lot of education on how to tell the difference between ego and how to tell the difference between soul, where you'll physically start to feel your intuition kicking in energetically and the quantum physics behind how you're actually receiving the messages in the first place. So I like for people to have all of the evidence that's available and then um, use exercises to trust it but in the beginning it's the nagging with something's nagging 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 at you and you try so hard to distract yourself away from it and it's still nagging you that's a surefire thing that your soul is wanting you to listen and pay attention because after a while your ego, your ego will just stop nagging you and if it feels fearful, it's not your intuition, it's your ego. Because our ego is designed to keep us in fear. It's designed to keep us alive. It's part of our humanity, not our spiritual being. Like when we're back in spirit, outside of our bodies, we don't have ego anymore. And so I always tell my clients, if you ever get stuck with a decision and you're not sure whether it's not, it's intuition or ego, just stop and take a breath. What feels loving? And if it feels loving, that's your intuition. And even if it doesn't make sense, just follow the feeling of love and you can never go wrong. Mm, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. I think that all of us can look back and see the times in hindsight when intuition was really knocking at our door and we ignored it. I mean, I know I can. I'm sure anyone listening can as well. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to, so this is another thing, when it comes to another person, so for instance, my husband burning himself, it wouldn't have mattered how much I'd argued with him to listen to me and do what he was told. He had to go through that journey himself because it profoundly changed him as well. It opened him up spiritually. He even said to me, I've, I've done this. I know that I've chosen this for you to pick your career path and for you to have gone the way you did. Like he just intrinsically knew that and um, it really got us to take stock of is this the relationship what we want and um, and it was a big factor in us eventually divorcing because life's too short. It was a big lesson for both of us. So you can't stop someone from experiencing something that they're so contracted to go through just like so my now current husband's got cancer and I said to him years ago to get something sorted and I nagged and nagged and nagged. So that's frustrating to me, but I also know he's so contracted to have this health experience and he has to go through it. So people get really frustrated thinking that their intuition has led them astray when it comes to saving or rescuing another person. You have to understand they have to, they have to go through that. Like especially a lot of parents whose kids have been abused with this this flies people up it's such an emotive topic and i totally get it because i've been abused as a child and have done psych assessments on thousands of pedophiles 
and even more people who have been sexually abused. We soul contract for these things to happen. You can do your absolute darndest as a parent to protect your child, short of locking them up in a room and never letting them have contact with anybody. You can, you can do your hardest, but if something like that's contracted, you just won't see the signs. Like there's so many parents who just didn't see a sign and people will talk about surely the wife knew and I like after speaking to so many wives of partners who have committed childhood sexual assault they they don't they honestly don't and I needed to go through that because I was so angry at my mum for not noticing the signs and not listening to me or hearing me and so when as an adult I would confronted her about some stuff she's like no 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 not me and I had to learn that she probably didn't and I had to let go of the anger and forgive her I was actually more angry at her than I was the perpetrator and I had to do a lot of forgiveness and letting go around this is part of my life and it had it had to play out this way at a soul level and I understand that and it helps me then help other people find forgiveness and find gratitude for the traumas that you go through because when once you get yourself to a place where you can see the silver lining in the shit once you can it's because I've, I've said to my patients and my clients like for decades now the most beautiful and fragrant rose have piles of shit dumped on it to grow through to get that way like you have to find the way to keep vibrating higher up through the crap to come out the other side smelling better and experiencing life better. You can't just let the crap defeat you and wither and die. Once you can find the gratitude and the forgiveness, it's completely transformational. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, So let's turn now to your own personal spiritual practices because I know you must have a lot in your toolkit. What do you say? I don't have a I don't have a lot. I, I, being so left brain and educated and like it has to be this way, I, you know, I would doubt myself with books, like give me all the information and all the evidence and then I would have wanted to do all of it and you hear some people, you can't connect in if you don't meditate, you can't connect in if you don't do this. There are some, the tiny few essentials that I know are absolutely essential to what I say is spiritual hygiene. But I don't meditate every day. I don't, there's no, like, there's no need to. Once you trust what's coming through, once you have that faith and surrender to what's coming through, you don't need to go into a meditation all the time. All that meditation is doing is, you know, taking you down through the different brain waves so you can access clearer communication with your soul. But all it's doing is shutting your ego off that conscious mind, once you learn that that's what you're doing and how to tell your ego, listen, I don't got time for you right now. I'm convening with soul. You don't need to have meditation. You just do things until you find a groove for you. So lots of people talk about meditating. It doesn't have to be sitting down. There's like guided meditations all over YouTube. I have a YouTube channel that's got guided meditations on it called Golden Goddess TV. You can listen to binaural frequencies, which really helped me in the beginning. Um, so you can, on YouTube, YouTube's fantastic. Mm. Binaural beats for psychic development or automatic writing was really good for me for a while. And if you're going to use them, just make sure that you've got your left 
headphone in left and right ear because the way the frequencies work they designed to fire off your synapses in certain ways so you've got to make sure it's coming in the right way um, automatic writing was a really good one to start for me to start trusting what was coming through so if you listen to binaural beats and you've got a journal and you just start blurting out whatever comes through and in the beginning none of it makes sense but it's a really good exercise to tell the difference between your ego voice and your soul voice because the more you're writing ego for me and for most of my clients the sensation of ego voice will come from your front lobe on your left side and the sensation the ego of uh, the soul voice is kind of like towards the center or over to the right a little bit like where your pineal gland is kind of activating um the more you tune into the voices the more you can start to tell the difference but ego will be like what are you writing that for like you're just making this up you're so crazy this is just your imagination everybody's right you're full of shit you're so crazy oh my god you should have listened to your parents you're just going to embarrass yourself it's just like nag 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 of all mean mean stuff stuff to keep you small because it's wanting to keep you safe it's kind of like that helicopter parent that just like don't do that just wanting to like wrap you up and keep you safe that's the ego voice so I'll be like, well, my soul, because I swear a lot. So I'll be like, tell that bitch to be quiet. I've got things to say. I don't have time for this nonsense. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And she said, now just hurry up and write while idiots like going to sleep. It's so funny because I just finished this um, Dolores Cannon version of quantum healing hypnotherapy. And Dolores refers to um, ego as Mr. Stupid. <laughs> That's a word for it, which is exactly where it's like. Mr. Stupid's coming in, has got something stupid to say. Tell Mr. Stupid to shut up and go and watch some cartoons or something. Like, Mama's in the house now, Mama's got things to say. So, the automatic writing is a really good way to still tell the difference between the two. Once you can tell the difference between the two, you don't need all the bells and whistles and all the spiritual practice. But spiritual hygiene is vital. And I always describe it to clients, especially given COVID, it's a really good um, metaphor. If you were to go out and shake 50, well, 500, 50 even, if you went out now and shook 50 hands, you'd be like hand sanitizing like there's no tomorrow. You'd come home, you'd be stripping all your clothes off at the front door and you'd be straight into the shower. Our energetic body's exactly the same. So we have this massive, big, measurable electromagnetic field that comes from out of our heart. Our heart's our most intelligent organ and that's where the quantum field of consciousness comes in through our heart that's the bit that's connecting us to source energy and keeping us our physical form alive and so most people sit on average about three meters circumference their electromagnetic field um, a lot of highly sensitive people especially if they're exercising it can like spread this is how you can do distance healing you can spread your field as far as you possibly imagine and so we're communicating with each other with these big bubbles of electromagnetic frequency so that's why someone will walk into a room before your five senses have even registered that they're there you know that they're there all the hairs will stand up on the back of your neck or you or neck or you'll turn around and you'll just know who it is that you're going to see because your frequencies have already started communing with each other and so doing that we attach cords of energy to each other constantly and so you're drained and a lot of empaths the, the propaganda that comes out around uh, and i call it propaganda because it's fear inducing and disempowering the propaganda that comes out about empaths is poor empaths is psychic vampires running around draining your energy 
Paul, you are attracting all these narcissists. It's because you're so sensitive and you're so kind and you need to wrap yourself up in a bubble and you really need to protect yourself and not mix with people. And that's the most disempowering crap designed to keep them small and stop them from doing what they want. The more you start cutting cords, cleaning off your energy and grounding yourself, the easier it is for you to handle. If I can walk around psych hospitals and male correctional centers and start to learn how to impact my energy and be safe and not have my body react so badly physically anybody any empath can do this so we're told cut cords cut cords so you're basically cutting off all the cords that other people have attached into your electromagnetic field but no one teaches anyone to retract your own cords especially empaths because we're here to recalibrate the emotional frequency of everybody around us from fear into love. So we're constantly docking ourselves into everybody around us and sending frequency coding to people. To, that's why we have so many narcissists feel normal and feel love-based frequencies in our presence because we're recalibrating them constantly. So we have to have a routine to retract our cords as well as cutting our cords. I suggest people do cord cutting meditation to start off with, but it's it's so easy. Like people talk about Archangel Michael, and I always find that's the easiest way to explain it. But if you just visualize you have this massive big aura, this field of energy around you, and there's all this energy cut into it. I just like boom, what like wipe it off. I'm just detaching all of it now, and you'll be able to feel eventually where you've still got more to like ask you can ask like the angels to come in and help you remove the energy or your spiritual team and then i pretend i have a vacuum button thing on the top of my head you know when you press and the cord gets sucked back in yeah so i'm like i imagine that i've got this button and i press it and i just imagine millions of my own cords getting sucked back in to my energy and then clearing it off and i do that morning and night religiously i do it in between clients i do it when I'm thinking about somebody that I don't want to be thinking about. I cut cords straight away because I don't want to send that energy out to them. And then all of a sudden they pop back up in, because that's what, you know, people, you think about someone and then they pop up. It's because you've like sent out this Wi-Fi signal, come and see me and they don't. And then all of a sudden your energy is like, oh God, do I really have to see you? I don't want to. (laughs) Because I didn't clean off my energy. And grounding is really important because... So grounding is just barefoot on grass, barefoot on plain concrete. If you can't, walking at the beach, salt water, sea salt in, in a bath, just ground, 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 spine up against a tree, doing some deep breathing and allowing the tree's frequencies to calm down your nervous system. All you're doing when you're grounding is all your chaotic energy that's all over the place, you're pulling it back into self so that you're your most energized. And cord cutting, cord retraction and grounding are the most vital spiritual hygiene practices. Anything else, you just kind of find what suits you and don't consume too much and thinking that you're not getting it right because you're not doing all the things because there's too many. Um, there's too many and there's a lot of pressure to say, well, this person or you know, this guide or this guru or this whomever is doing it, so therefore I should and it's going yeah. to be right for me. But it's coming... In the yoga world. Yeah. You're doing yoga and meditating every day and having your ceremonial cacao for the breakfast, then are you really spiritual? Like, are you judgmental cow face? 
Well, what, 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 we really want, what we really want is for people to come back to themselves and kind of go, exactly. well, what suits me? What works for me? That's right. Spirit, spirituality doesn't have to be all these airy, fairy, fluffy. Crystal. I mean, I love my crystals more than anyone. And I've seriously got some kind of Oracle card weird addiction when I don't even use them for my clients. Like, I love it. But I don't need it to be spiritual. I don't need to be doing yoga to be spiritual. I don't need to be sitting in the lotus position, opening up all my chakras or having some Kundalini experience every day. Spirituality is just making sure that you're convening, connecting and ruling your life mainly through soul and not from your ego and that you're responsible and accountable for your own actions. You're living a life of authenticity and you're not trying to control everybody around you. Mm. Using love as your compass constantly rather than fear. That's spirituality. Showing up in the world and saying, listen, I'm a soul having this human experience. I'm here to help people in some special, unique form of my own way. And so I'm going to do it with the understanding that you're one with everybody. You're no better or less than anyone. We're all one. And that's true spirituality. Just live your life understanding that you're one with everyone and you'll stop hurting people on purpose. Yeah, and yourself as well, which is actually a beautiful... Yeah, yeah, self-love. And it's a beautiful segue into kind of this concept of sanctuary. So when you think of sanctuary or hear the word even, like what what does that evoke in you? Is there certain... Inner peace. Doesn't matter where you are. You could be sitting in the middle of pedophile city wing. It doesn't matter where you are, as long as you've got inner peace and you're connected to yourself and you understand that loving self is not an egoic thing. Loving self is understanding that your loving source, all that is God, whatever name label that you attach to that understanding that you are part of the cosmos and the cosmos is part of you, including all the assholes. That's a, that was a really big thing for me to learn working in prisons, especially as an empath. The more time I spent with serial killers in particular, uh, and I could see like malignant narcissism and ego at play, and what would happen if I started speaking from soul, how they would react because soul was kind of being called to the surface and ego had such a grip. I learned so much that I have the propensity to be just like them. There is an aspect in me that could go around. I'm not going to, but there's an aspect of me that could quite easily go around and kill 20 people and be completely emotionally detached from that. I have that ability in me. I have that ability to hurt people. Once you have self-awareness from a place of self-love, like I love self, I am therefore part of love. So if I'm constantly attached to that, then ego doesn't get to rule my life and ego doesn't get to hurt other people because I'm always coming from that energy of loving myself. Therefore, I love love. I am love. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. That's my sanctuary. Yeah, amazing. So let's wrap up then with this, the final proper question of the podcast because it's only really proper one, is if you could leave the listener with one piece of advice on their sanctuary journey, what would it be? Just have love as your compass. That's the the greatest thing. Even when something doesn't make sense, if it feels like it's coming from love, then do it. As long as you're not hurting anyone deliberately. But if if it's true love that you're following, you're not going to hurt 
other people deliberately and if other people are hurt in the process there's a lesson in them for that and you can't be responsible like if you're not hurting someone deliberately and you're following love you're not responsible for the outcome of what happens with other people so you don't have to go and rescue rescuing people and saving people does not come from a place of love that comes from a place of feeling disconnected and needing validation outside of self that's another big thing for empaths you you are not a kind person if you're constantly rescuing you need to learn boundaries <laughs> yes and that is a total other conversation <laughs> rebecca this has been an absolute delight i've really enjoyed and feel blessed that you've shown up today so open-heartedly thanks for having and me shared with us where's Thank the you. best place for people to find you I have a website that's my name.com.au so it's r-e-b-e-c-c-a-g-i-b-s-o-n um i have a golden goddess tv channel on youtube i facebook is my jam i love facebook that's where i like to hang out so um, my business page is rebecca gibson psychic medium and spiritual strategist and on instagram i think i'm rebecca gibson psychic medium Okay, fabulous. I will put all the links to those in the show notes as well so people can easily find you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been an absolute delight. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here with me today, talking about sanctuary and spirituality. I hope that the learnings you received in this episode are helpful for you on your own journey. But as always, I'm here to support you. So if you would like, please do reach out and share your thoughts with me and also please feel free to like share comment or review this episode if you'd like to connect with me more please go to my website helenjoybutler.com and i invite you also to join the sanctuary inner circle that's our beautiful group who talk about sanctuary spirituality and everything in between but until next time take care and much love